Are we ready? Yes. yes. Okay. Here we go. Another episode of Serially Obsessed. This episode is focusing on episode seven of Serial, which is the opposite of the prosecution. But as Layla likes to think of it, we are going to call our episode... A Scanner Darkly. Oh, love the scanner reference. We'll get to it. There's so <laughs> much about this episode I want to talk about, guys. I think I am in the minority here. But let's start by introducing ourselves. I'm Daisy Rosario. I'm a public radio producer. You are? I'm Dipsy Sarawith, and I'm an attorney, and I am... I'm. I always want to include this, and I'm Indian. <laughs> I think it's relevant. I'm uh, Layla Carrillo. I uh, am not a lawyer. I'm not a radio producer. I am a person that questions humans all the time. A lot. Constantly a lot. questioning humans. Constantly questioning humans. And just, I want to clarify, Dixie, not only a lawyer, former criminal prosecutor in New York, so we are coming at this with a particular perspective on what we think about episodes, how we think about it, and this one might be my baby in terms of radio, guys. Oh. I know that people don't love this episode, but I love episode seven. People <laughs> uh, had a, a big problems with this episode. People did, but from a storytelling perspective, to me, it was like just what we needed after episode six, after really getting into the nitty-gritty of the prosecution's case against Adnan mm-hmm. and and anybody who was, like, pro-Adnan kind of feeling defeated. I know a lot of friends came up to me either texting me or messaging me or just coming right up to me and going, like, oh, man, I think he's guilty now after episode six. So for episode seven to present what it did, I think it was just really smart timing. And I also really love the writing in this episode. Ooh, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, I want to say that I think... That I thought Adon was, if I had to choose, right at the end of every episode, I thought that he was guilty. Um, mm. At the end of every episode, and then I heard this one, and I said, "Not guilty." Interesting. Like it totally changed my mind. Right. And it's interesting to me that talking to one of my former colleagues at the DA's office, he thought. That I was a moron and said, are you joking me? He was so guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And I cannot believe that he thinks that. And he's a defense attorney now. So right. it's not that there's this crazy bias or something like that. But man, this was, I, I liked this episode. The second time I listened to it, I liked it less. Not, it just, it didn't like freak me out as much as the first time I heard it. Mm-hmm. I had similar feelings. It's I really everything for the me. first time I was like, "Oh my god. Oh my god. This is real." And then the second time I listened to it, I was sort of like, "Yeah, but I feel like that's your gig, right? Like your gig is to be like whatever the outcome was for this particular case, it was probably wrong." Well, let's just kind of clarify who we're talking about. The star of this episode is definitely Deirdre. Deirdre. Right. who works with the Innocence Project. The casting of this is, is kind of lucky and wonderful. This woman is a great talker. She's yeah. good at talking about what she does in layman's terms. I think the way she yeah. talks about everything is very accessible, and that also just makes for good radio in general. Um, and so, yeah, maybe it's not the most exciting episode when you revisit it, but if I'm thinking of Serial as this you know, 12-episode series, this long-term story this episode happens exactly when we need it to happen yeah. and it upends what you're thinking of because so many people were down on Adnan at the end of episode six. So then to go 
no, but this is actually kind of normal. Like it's normal that he wouldn't remember these things or it's normal to think this way. And I love when she says that, you know, sometimes people tell her she's naive, but naive's not the right word because, you know, I think it's very fair of her to both kind of acknowledge that people think she's naive, but also go, it's not really the right word for it because she, right. It's not like she's not doing the job she's doing. Uh, you know, reason why I don't want to put words in this person's mouth, but like one of the reasons why my friend thought that, oh, of course she said that he was innocent. She's a true believer. There's like this thing where like prosecutors call these defense attorneys true believers. Like they just believe all their clients and like, man, prosecutors and defense attorneys, not all of them dislike one another, but they're, there's a little bit of, I, I definitely think defense attorneys think that prosecutors are the worst. That we just want to put everyone in jail. And, you know, um, it's just not true. But anyway. do you guys think they all are just willing to get everybody off scot free? Well, I, I, I think that they're... Let's they get be, into a little lawyer minutiae here. Let's get into be, a little backstory. I think quite annoying. But at the same time, this episode made me really want to be a defense attorney. Interesting. You know, it really did. I was like, oh man, I love criminal law. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's so fascinating. It's so interesting. Um, yeah. So, but I don't know. I'd be very curious to talk to a handful of prosecutors and see what they thought about this uh, podcast after episode seven, because um, I wonder if it if it's like what you're used to seeing, if that, you know, because... Deirdre did a really good job of saying, I know a lot of these people are guilty. You know, I don't believe that she thinks everybody is innocent. And she was pretty clear about that. Mm -hmm. Um, She's really looking at the evidence. Lots of scanning, guys. Lots of scanning. Some scanning. Uh, Laundry smell. (laughs) Laundry Laundry smell. Let's just talk about that. I think my favorite part of the laundry smell is that she says it smells like, what, laundry and... Laundry and um, something. Oh. And then you hear Deirdre go, how does she know what laundry smells like? Which to me is like the weirdest uh, non-human aside. It's like, I, <laughs> here's the thing about me. I am not a wealthy woman. But my like one thing that I always do for myself since it's gotten to the point where I'm not afraid of not, whether or not I'm going to be eating that day is I pay for people to do my laundry. And that like I don't get manicures and pedicures. Mm-hmm. I don't get my eyebrows waxed anymore. But... I pay for someone to do my laundry. And so when she's like, "What? how do you know what laundry smells like? I was like, that's a weird aside. Uh, it's also a funny piece of tape as a radio producer to hear and go like, man, she just really wanted to leave that in. Yeah. Uh, leave that little exchange Yeah, she in. did. Totally. Um, yeah. But it also reminded me, I went to grad school for journalism and my graduation speaker was Ira Glass. No, really? Yes, he was. And one of my favorite memories of him talking to us was saying, Always have a little piece of tape that you like that you want to sneak in no matter what. Oh. So that you don't lose the personality. So that was like where my brain went immediately when I heard that little aside about the the laundry. Well, can I say that I truly don't believe that scanning smells like... Laundry. Scanning doesn't smell and like ink. anything. It Scanning smells like doesn't nothing. smell like anything. Copies smell like things. Copies Printing smells like, smells like things. Right. Scanning... It, like just what doesn't usually smell like anything. Scanning doesn't smell like anything. Who is this girl? Who <laughs> is she? Does I know it's Deidre's daughter. I know it's Deidre's daughter. <laughs> Why does she think scanners smell like stuff? They I... don't smell like anything. And the thing that's interesting is when she said that the scanner smelled, my immediate smell memory <laughs> triggered those mimeographs 
Like oh, those yeah. purple, the, the ditto, the machines. purple ditto. Yes, oh, the fucking yeah. purple ditto machine. Purple ditto mm, machine. Mm, that mm. was early childhood. Yeah. I'm it. getting really excited just remembering <laughs> that smell because that was a great smell. Uh, I want to know more about George's daughter and what her life views are and, and why she her experiences in things. She thinks everything has a smell. Everything. Yeah. Everything has a smell. She thinks everyone has the presumption of innocence. Yes, everything she has. Everything a smell. has a smell. Dare she? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I so I said I really like the writing. I also think that this is just an episode where um, I kind of like some of Sarah's word choices. Like when she's describing Deirdre and she's like, she's not a beater around the of bushes. bushes. Like yeah. I just love those little choices. And I was she just like, oh, lot, that's great. A lot of good. Great descriptions in this episode. the right mm-hmm. word? Uh, yeah. She, she just had good, great bites. Like Deirdre's yeah. just like, a, yeah. like. She cuts to the chase. Again, like she's I'm not busy. a radio producer, but like do video produce. And like, there's just some people who you're just like, this person is a dreamboat because just everything that comes out of their mouth is like the perfect sound bite. Absolutely. And you're just like, you've made my job a thousand times easier. Mm-hmm. And maybe a thousand times harder because then it's like, I don't know what bit to pick. And right. then you just, yeah. Well, speaking of that, there's the moment where she's talking to Deirdre. They're clearly in the studio. They're just talking. She chatted with Deirdre about that other case. And, and then we're in the studio and you hear Deirdre's like, oh, oh, I've got an idea. I'm getting this idea right now. And it's like, it's one of those moments where, like, yes, the exchange, to get the exchange on tape, like, right. to get the fact yeah. that this woman is Can like, imagine. well, why don't we just use what you're working on and give that to the students? And it's like, oh. Do you think course. that wasn't planned? That was definitely not planned. Could you tell? I would say that I know that there was the episode of This American Life that they had to retract the Mike Daisy episode. Other than that, they are a journalistic entity. Whether or not people think of them as hard journalism or not, they do. Are, they are a journalistic entity. And rule number one is you do not reenact moments like, like, like that. You do not reenact moments like that. It's like an like ethics that. thing. It is an absolute ethics oh. thing. Oh. It was so good that I thought, if this is for real, that is incredible what we right. just had like, got to hear. Part but, of it is great casting. I mean, that's the thing. You talk to people and then, you know, because she even said that she spoke to her on the phone and then she asked her to go into a studio. I'm sure she was talking to her on the phone and was like, wow, this lady's a great talker. She puts it easily. I'll get her in the studio. Mm-hmm. But you'll notice this, you know, if you listen to something like Radio Lab, I interned at Radio Lab. I always go in recording. Like, anytime I'm going somewhere, if I'm taking the subway somewhere, a block away from where I'm going, I stop, I take out my equipment, I get everything set up, and then I press record and I go in rolling. Because you don't know when somebody's going to say something great and you want to be like prepared. And you also want to yeah. get the sound of the place and what you're doing. Yeah, that was super exciting to me. And I I, I think that she played the, the suspense of it up very well. Mm-hmm. But I was so let down at how little... She talked to her about it. Was this the 33-minute episode? This was, like, I believe about 33 minutes. Yeah, this I was short. short. And on Reddit, so people upset. were saying it could have been even shorter. Oh, to me, it's no. like you could have... Yeah, like, that would be tight. Like, you you want to leave room for things to breathe. But, yeah, it, it wasn't an episode where we were getting a lot of answers. It was just kind of like, here's a new perspective in a character that is an expert, that is mm-hmm. somebody with experience. Like oh, a person who is not guilty will not have that much to tell you because they're not thinking about it because they weren't guilty. Like, yeah, they might be thinking about it after the fact to try to figure out, but they really don't have anything to grab onto. Right. And just to go, right, like to kind of reaffirm that, I thought all of that was just kind of masterfully done. 
Yeah, and it just made everybody think very differently. Mm-hmm. It, it just kind of mm-hmm. made you question, you know, especially for those pro anon people. Because I will say, I will admit, like, I had definitely have always leaned in the camp of Adnan is guilty. Um, but I also lean in the camp of Adnan is guilty, but I don't see how I would have convicted based on what my understanding of what this prosecution was. Right. Yeah. And I do have to go back and say at the end of episode, our episode one, I did think like, there's no way he's guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. But the first time I heard it, I thought he was guilty. Mm-hmm. And then I was mm-hmm. like binging the podcast. And right. While I thought legally, I don't know if he did it, um, or legally, I don't think that he should have been put in prison for life, um, but I thought, I didn't think, like, he might truly be innocent. Right. Right now. Um, And after this, I just, I don't know, I just started thinking about it different, but I did think that one statement was really weird. What's that? Uh, Deirdre said... That she was concerned with racial profiling. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then she said, you know, because people mention his, quote, his dark, dark side. side. And yeah. he was controlling. And yeah. I'm like, just the fact that you said this statement is racist. Because, again, okay, I cannot get into the head of, like, a Muslim Pakistani person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't. I don't want to. You know, like, I don't know what kind of racism they have against them. But... Again, it was pre-9-11, so I'm wondering, like, if certain stereotypes exist. And I need to talk to, like, a Muslim friend of mine to really Yeah, somebody understand. a little older. We talked about in our, in our first, first episode one, a little yeah. bit about how I can see... I think one of the things we even said was, like, if you tell me that this case happened in 2002 and they convicted in two hours on that, I get it. Because yeah. there was such vitriol. I don't think that, you know, Muslims in general were being, like, celebrated before that. Right. But it wasn't, like, but you tell me two hours, right. I, I would expect it to have happened after September 11, 2001. Yeah. But um, I do think that, you know, they kind of lay it out accordingly in the episode of Serial in that I do think there's a little racial profiling. I do feel like some, um, I do think it's, like, a valid question. Not that I'm saying I think it, it happened, but I do think it's a valid question in the sense that I feel like what some people do know of uh, Islam in general is like this thing of like, well, uh, the women have to cover themselves and the men are, you know, get to control them. So to me, mm-hmm. it playing into the idea of that, uh, okay. also it being like, well, they're the immigrant population, you know, like the jury is largely black. And so it is that thing of like, oh, they're not, not that like, oh, like, not that there's like just a thing where like black people feel this way about Muslim, but like, they are the sub-minority in a group that would be considered minorities overall. Yeah. Right. But this is actually an area that's substantially this one thing, so they are the minority in the area. Yeah. And sadly, yeah. as history has shown us, that like even if you are the minority, even if you are an oppressed group, once you're in a larger number than another group, that group still becomes you know, treated not so great. So I could see how they would be like a more recent immigrant population that this group of people doesn't understand. And it's easy for them to, like, go, like, oh, he would be controlling. You know what I mean? Um, to, like, play because into that Because that's stereotype. what their people do. Right? Because, yeah. like, their women have to cover themselves and stuff. Right. Like that. I don't know. You know, I didn't very, think about it like that. Like, they're but, not thinking yeah. about bombings and planes yet. But that's, like, right. maybe a very loose understanding that they right. would have from just living in close proximity but not interacting. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that does. 
I think that um, Deirdre's other huge thing was motive, 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 which mm-hmm. we all know that motive has to be the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. The motive has always felt And she flimsy. really flim, like not even like a little flim. It's just like, no, that's right. not the, re- that cannot be I don't the think, entire reason why. I don't think that we'll ever know the motive because at this point in the podcast, I don't think that we are going to learn the truth but i'm not going to stop listening because i think this podcast well, what is, becoming... is truth really what is truth? what is truth somebody call matthew mcconaughey and ask him um matthew mcconaughey or, or david Duchovny? either one of those either guys one, either, either one, one of those guys can of show those up butt bearing dudes yeah <laughs> can tell totally. me their butt is the truth um what <laughs> david Duchovny's butt is the truth in california with a k i'm just saying to I revisit the 90s that. yeah Oh, love man. David Duchovny. BRB, ladies. <laughs> I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go. You guys remind myself. Take care of, of the attractive. rest of this boring scanner episode. <laughs> um, I I was really glad though that Deirdre brought up Don because yes, yeah, Don has been stated as having a airtight alibi. Airtight alibi. That kid had a shift at Lenscrafters, Lenscrafters. and he bounced. Like, they're like, yep, Don's done. Done. And and I thought, oh, I must not know something about the trial, because I didn't read the trial transcript, right? I don't know exactly what was given, but we're, the way the narrative is, like, in terms of, like, storytelling and what Mm -hmm. you know about Daisy, like, we're led to believe that that is just something that you must accept as fact. Right. And, but I thought, why am I accepting that as fact after, like, the first episode? But, you know, there was so much more to go. Oh, yeah. Who was I to think anything? I mean, episode but, to episode, we, I feel like we never really know which direction we're going to go in. Right. So it's always a ride. Yeah. Um, so, but you just keep, like, these certain check marks in your head of, like, what about this person? And so I was super psyched to hear her say, um... Why wasn't Don of more interest to anyone? Because I'm presuming that she had read all the transcripts of the trial. And Daisy, you teased me a few days ago and said that you saw a picture of Don online. I did see a picture. I and saw. I want to see a picture of I kinda Don. I kind of want. I kind of want to pull up a picture of Don. I, I saw a current day picture of Don. I need to see it. I want to see it. Please it pull is, it up. Right pull it up. Now. I can't. Why? Because I can't. Like, I don't know where... I would have to stop everything for 20 minutes and go searching for it. I want to see what he looks like. Bring that up and prep, guys. You're a lawyer. (laughs) Bring it up and prep. Like... I thought you'd have it ready. No, because their names aren't, like, normal. Like, I I found it by going through a rabbit hole of, you know, links and stuff. And as as Serial gets more and more attention, a lot of those people are now realizing that they need to change their names or lock down their profiles. So what does he look like? Not good is the thing. Wait, he was like blonde hair, blue eyed, right? They kind of made him out to be like, oh, he's like a California server, but he lives yeah. in Baltimore. Right. Like, I had like this whole blonde hair, blue eyes at Lenscrafter. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like he's just like exactly this guy, what you and want. I'm sure really he's like, hi, ma'am. Like, what kind of glasses <laughs> would you like? And you're like, I don't know. I guess I just need bifocals. He's like Upchuck from Daria. Yeah, he is Upchuck. His picture that I saw, if it is definitely him. He was a few years older, so he's probably like mid-30s maybe now. Well, he was 20. Maybe 40s. He was 20, and it's been 15 years, so he'd be okay. 35. 35. Um, and, yeah, I saw a few photos, but it's interesting to me in that, 
you know, Serial is getting more listeners all the time. And you can see that in some way this is starting to impact these real people in that they're having to change their stuff. And, And I think it's important to remember that. In the past couple weeks, I would say that the Serial listeners have exponentially grown. It's like every week more of my friends are posting. Yeah. yeah. I feel like each week I get a little few more people being like, do you listen to this thing? I'm like, oh my God, I'm already like I'm all over it. it. Yeah. I'm all over it. Um, Give me more. Although uh, there are moments where I have issues with myself kind of going back to a little bit of what we mentioned in episode one. Is this just like highbrow Nancy Grace? Did we just like... Did we? Is it highbrow Nancy Grace? That's a great question. Highbrow Nancy Grace. We did mention Nancy Grace, but into some highbrow Nancy Grace stuff. We did. I think that the difference for me is that I'm not disagreeing, but I do think that the difference for me is that when I the little bit of exposure I've had to Nancy Grace, which is mostly when I've traveled and I've had like cable and hotels. And I see something like that on. It's super sensational. Super sensational. Like, and they are. They're making career off of it, but they're trying to make the focus of it the person and make the person the villain. Absolutely. Whereas I feel like this is actually, it's a thing where we're all invested in this mystery, but ultimately it's the story of this reporter going through this process and like realizing what this is and we're along for the ride. Right. So it's me, it's like a different story focus. I mean, that's also kind of sad because it's like- Oh yeah, I'm not disagreeing about that part. I mean, this is real people. Like Mm -hmm. a real girl is dead. Like a dude is in jail, either rightfully or wrongfully. Absolutely. In the end, it's like, well, we got our jollies, and mm-hmm. Sarah will probably get some crazy award. And oh yeah, and she will have just... her pick of whatever she wants to do, which she kind of already does because yeah. this podcast wouldn't exist otherwise. But right, yeah, I mean, and then we all just pack up and go home, and, and that's we complain the end about of it the on day. the internet. And we just wait for True Detective season two to be like, what's up with Vince Vaughn and Colin Farrell, right? And, and Taylor like, Kitsch. I will never get excited about Taylor Kitsch Why? in anything. Ugh. I'm already... Timmy Riggins. Here's the thing. I don't know that I'm excited about TD2, you guys. I'm just not. But, you guys, I want to talk about Nisha. Yes. Wait. Let's talk about Nisha. (laughs) So, Sarah is really um, obsessed with the Nisha call. Yes. And the thing is, Adnan keeps saying, I don't know. Maybe it was a butt dial, blah, blah, blah. There's all these inconsistencies. Mm Mm-hmm. I want to say that I just wholeheartedly discount the smoking gun and all of that of the Nisha call Mm -hmm. because she said, oh yeah, they were at the porn store. And it just makes me think she 100% misremembered the day, Mm -hmm. um, which I've said before on this podcast. Like, I just think a lot of that may be happening. Right. And people are creating a narrative they may actually believe it right but the some of these things happened but it's like well there was six weeks before it even so they're yes they're remembering that it happened but it wasn't january 13th correct about january 28th or something also these kids are in high school they're fucking stoned all the time like how do you remember you did you have a quiz that day like why do you remember this i don't understand yeah yeah yeah. although these kids seem so like they're always i don't know they're always what they're always busy they're always like i i feel like okay I, they got weed to buy. They, they have, have weed track to buy. practice. To right, run. right, right. Like they have all More these weed. magnet papers to I write. I feel like I'm. I'm actually. Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that they're not only going out and doing all this weed smoking, but then also have like all of these extracurricular activities. I'm like, good on you, kids. Good on you. That's kind of the kid I was. Is the thing. 
I was in all the school shows. Mm. I um, I got good grades. I was in like you know accelerated programs and things like that. Right. I've I've been thinking about that. Like I think that these kids were just kids. Mm-hmm. And and like Adnan, for example, I know it's a profound These kids were just kids. Yes. I think these kids did not know somebody was going to get murdered. And it was not <laughs> they were lives. just children. Um, just young people. No, it's just like how many people, maybe including yourselves, do you know who just like, okay, like partied in high school and everything, but like they didn't go on the wrong track, you know, right. in the end of it all, of oh, life. Yeah, and these that's kids, the majority. Like, it's not like, oh, they were bad. And Adnan, I think, you know, they, they like, paint him and the prosecution paints him as, uh, what was it? Um, this kid who was trying to revolt against his culture and all these things. Oh, yeah. Like, no, he was just right. a 17-year-old boy. He was a 17-year-old immigrant, American immigrant boy parents. of, parent, of right. immigrant parents. Where exactly. it was a stricter upbringing. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, they're just... I mean, I think, kids. A, yeah, I, I think a lot of that ends up being, I think people forget their youth. That's like, oh my God, God, your entire four years of high school, you're basically living a dichotomy, right? Because you, you are like, you're, if you are a partier, you're going out and you're partying. And then if you happen to be a good student, then you're There's also dichotomy. coming yeah. home and being like, yeah, I aced my test or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wasn't like a saint by any means, but I also come home and I would do my homework and mm-hmm. I would get good grades and right. whatever. Like it was just, yeah, I would just show up by a certain time because my commute was so long. I had to leave at a certain time. So I'd come home sometimes hammered, but my ride was so long that I would sober up <laughs> along the, the way. Like, got there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a two hour commute home from wherever I was. Sure. Because I had to take public transportation uh, and I lived out in the boonies. I did not do any of that in high school. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a small town in the middle of Illinois and I had friends, but I just, I, I had a very bizarre high school experience where I essentially lived alone for like two years and, um, oh, yeah. um, but I mean, I'd see my parents like every other day, but, um, anyways, you could have been having the craziest house the craziest parties, but I have to tell you, I didn't know that people were even doing that. Like I was so stupid. Like if I would have like known Adnan, mm-hmm. I think that I would have thought, like, he's a bad kid. I think, first oh, of sure. all, you would like, not have befriended like, Adnan because no. you would have been like, I am the premium number one <laughs> Indian friend, and I cannot have another Indian, even if he is Pakistani, like, I cannot have no. another brown friend no. in the mix. That um, is what I think you would think. There I are, think I'm right about that. There, Yeah, there was another Indian girl in my school. And, uh... Did you constantly wage wars on her? Did you guys walk no. at, like, opposite ends of the school and give each other a tiny, hateful nod? <laughs> no, um, but... I do remember someone coming up to me and being like, Hi, Deep Tea. I talked to, like, this girl's name. They're like, she's very nice. And I was like, cool. Were they trying to set you up? Like, No, that was, it's a girl. And I, but like, no, I mean like not set up like that. Like just friends? like set up as friends. Like, oh, you no. guys are the same they were, looking. They're but they were just, back. but they were just like, I met dumb. another one of they, you. There were They're a, all so nice. There weren't a lot of like non-white people in that place. So right, right. like, I think they were just, just like, like, just to let you know, I spoke to the other one. Right. And I had a positive experience. <laughs> and you know what? 
Because I was like one of the only ones there, maybe that is why I want to always be everyone's only Indian, only Indian in their friend. life. Yeah. Like when I was at the <laughs> when I was I'm laughing so hard but so silently. <laughs> when I was so hard. When I was at the DA's office, I wanted to be everyone's premier Indian. <laughs> and there was there were a couple others. There were a few others. Uh, and one guy, he uh, coined the phrase, "Oh, that OIG." I'm like, what? He goes, other Indian girl? <laughs> she was I just you, OIG. I want you to coin Premier Indian. Because I think Indian. Premier Indian. I think that right there yeah, is your... I don't... Like, forget <laughs> suburban malaise. Who gives a shit? Premier Indian. That's your fucking meal ticket, I, my friend. I do want to be not the only Indian in your life, but... <laughs> A premier Indian. It's more important to be the premier Indian than the only Indian. Yeah. And I, I think it comes from growing up in a town where I don't think anyone gave a rat's behind that what I was. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, hey. So, <clears throat> Nisha, I wonder if she was a bad girl. Nisha from Silver Springs? I from think. Silver Springs, Maryland. I think she was probably not. Because she didn't go to school with Adnan, and she was probably like, oh, good kid, like... I mean, in the pictures I have seen of him, he was definitely an attractive enough young man I could see. Yeah, yeah he was cute. Meet some girl, and she would be like, oh, cool. Well, he seemed like he had a lot of charisma. Right, he definitely also sounds charming, so I mean, yeah, he was he was hooking up, he was being a player, as you will. Right. Um. But I want to touch on, uh, so the episode... As it starts to wrap up, Sarah Koenig's like, you know, she's like down and like they have that moment where Deirdre's like, oh, you're down on Adnan today. And she's like, I am. Mm-hmm. And like, she clearly is like, oh, I go back and forth oh, and whatever. Deirdre just cheers she, her up. Deir- I know, Deirdre's yeah. just in it. Like, Deirdre's ready she's to like, like cheer her up. I'm um, your bowl of cherries, Sarah. She's like, here I am. And uh, Sarah's like, well, you know, I just, I wonder if he's this sociopath, which I feel like is something that not only has she mentioned, but definitely goes through the listener's mind. I... Are we just being charmed by a sociopath? Which is interesting to me in the entertainment sense because those are definitely the type of characters they write about more even though yeah. percentage-wise mm-hmm. not that huge of a reality mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Deirdre's like, you're not that lucky. Like, I wish for that person. Yeah, right. It was very eye-opening. Right. It was. Okay, but did you guys not feel super dirty also hearing that exchange? Because I, there was a brief moment during that exchange where I was just like, oh, this is highbrow Nancy Grace and I'm out. Like, for a brief minute in this episode, You're in ready episode to quit seven, I was like, this makes me feel like a grade A jerk and I'm out. Oh, I'm I out. feel that way. I did. I did, because the two of them are just like, you know what's super fun? Sociopaths. Yeah, okay. I, I get love what you're when saying. you get a sociopath, because they're just so interesting. Not only are they killers, but they're also really charismatic. Right. They're not the guys who do crack for three days, or who are just legitimately innocent right. and like, can't help your case. Those guys are just so boring. You know what I want? Like, I want, like, a Jeffrey Dahmer in my life. Oh, how charming. And it I'm would like, be really oh, amazing if yeah. you could get a John Wayne Gacy, Whoa. because they would just be so charming. Right. Right, right. I yeah. I did. That was the part that got like really gross to me. I'm just like, oh. I didn't have that reaction, but now that you say it, I feel a little gross. Um, what I thought was weird is, I totally agree with Sarah when she keeps saying it. She did at the end of this episode when Deirdre was calming her down, like, but just Adnan, why can't you account for this date? Like a cop called you, 
And Jared just said, huh? Oh, wow, I didn't have that reaction. And it was like such a, like, like, hey, like, like, right. are you so trained in your head that, I mean, obviously she is, but that. I mean, yeah, that's like her gig, right? Like, But, like, if you're a defense attorney for 20 plus years, is that what happens? That you don't. That you see that's not even re- your reaction, even though she says she goes through, like, months with not mm-hmm. being sure. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she was talking to Sarah, who I think at this point, I'm presuming was on the, on this case, quote, on this case right. for several months. Why was Deirdre surprised by Sarah being all conflicted? Because she acted like, oh, no, that's not my issue. No, I don't feel like she was uh, surprised by it as much as she was just like... Yeah, that one's not a big deal to me. It's all right. It's okay. Like right. you know, like it was like comforting. she's kind of been down that road mm-hmm. before. That's how like, it read look, to me very much. Is like, look, it's okay. Like these are the things that, yeah. get, that get me caught up. These are the things that don't. And I that's kind of it, a but theme it's not a that kind of keeps happening because there's like that one point where Sarah is like, oh, and then we don't have this piece of information, and Deirdre's like, yeah, but usually if you just go and like sweet talk the guy, it's usually back there. It They're might just be too there lazy to get it. You know. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of it. This episode for me is a lot of like Sarah showing up and just being like, well, I'm panicked. And Deirdre's just being like, I'm just going to hold no, your hair. So normal. And like stroke yeah, your hair. Yeah, totally. And calm you down and like. But it was kind of comforting. Right. Of well, course. Of course it's And comforting. I think that's the thing is that she, it's, it's very comforting to the listener to go, yeah, you're concerned. You're not weird for having thought these things along the way, but mm-hmm. the reality of it is this. And that to right. me is why it's such a kind of a, a brilliantly placed episode is because it's like. That's yeah, exactly yeah. where the listener is right. by then. Um, but I want to just touch really quickly on the whole you're not that lucky thing because I was like, but what if she is that lucky to have found this sociopath? Because the whole story of how we even are getting this story is crazy. Like, Rabia reaches right. out to her because she had worked on another case by this person. The, they wouldn't even be doing probably this whole separate podcast called Serial as opposed to just making it an hour-long episode of This American Life if it wasn't that, like... Not only did this story land in her lap, but it turned out to be really good and the characters are interesting and the problems are such. So I'm like, look, the odds right. of you being that lucky are low. But what if she is that lucky? Sure. There would she wouldn't be investigating this if it weren't a super crazy case. Exactly. That's what I mean, you know? So like that's the gist of what I'm saying. But, but in the end, like how super crazy is it? Like I sort of keep washing around in my head is like we're not detectives and like I, like maybe all cases are compelling but because mm-hmm. we're sort of dumped into this particular case it's like oh my god well the truth is like all cases can be cracked from either side right it just mm-hmm. depends on what information you right collect and convinces 12 people to make a decision on, right? I do think that there's probably an argument to be made that there's some level of being compelling that is an aspect of a lot of cases. I do think that this one, though, has a couple of those magic parts. Like, it has a thing where the case itself, like the actual prosecution, is not that clear-cut. Like, you look at it and you go, like, it leaves a lot of room for doubt. It leaves a lot of room for doubt. But but then I think that that's kind of a thing that happens, I think, with... Probably a majority. Of no, I think it does. But I mean, there. let's think about the reactions that we've heard from experts, which is that all of them are like, "Oh, they he actually got convicted on this." Okay, right. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure. So there's that. 
then you have the good character because Adnan is a good talker. He is an interesting person. You have this backstory. So there is that aspect of, there is a little bit of a perfect storm going here with, he was a charming kid. This was a flimsy case. Sure. It happened this many years ago, just before the cell phone stuff would have been even more relevant, just before all of that stuff would have been even more hardcore. Just if these kids were growing up in the social media age, there would be things that we knew that we don't know from 1999. So I do think there's a little bit of a perfect storm of that stuff. Totally, totally. There are so many people out there with interesting stories, right? But the truth is, like, if you can tell it better, even if your story isn't that interesting to me, then I'm going to pick you over the person with, like, the fascinating story but, like, is shitty on camera. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there's a part of me that's like, no, there's probably like, guys, there is an entire universe of really crazy, interesting cases. Just Baltimore. Just in just Baltimore, I'm sure. But we're just like, a like, this is just one of them because, yeah, like the characters are kind of mm-hmm. interesting. I, I, I wonder, and I don't know the statistic at all about how many cases are presumed to be wrongfully accused. I should know that statistic, but I don't. Um, I don't know. I I don't think it's like the highest ever. That it's like shocking, but it's definitely more than people. Yeah, want it's to way believe. more than people want to believe. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to compare Adnan to <clears throat> the the not a dairy cow to not a dairy cow. Just a that's regular cow. Just a regular cow <laughs> or a human being. I want to Just compare a... Adnan to a human being. I I wanted to compare him to the crazy school shooters that have just been plaguing our country for some reason. Okay. And their profiles are all pretty similar in that they, they're like very, they're loners. They weren't popular. They, um, they, they seem to be, have some like chip on their shoulder that was very visible there was always something very identifiably like after the fact because they may have been quiet but like you would be like oh like yeah. a silent aggressive yeah mm-hmm. um and like adnan was not any of that and one thing that um deirdre says when they were talking about the being like schizophrenic she's mm-hmm. like i get the people with um Really obvious mental health really issues. Really obvious right? mental health issues. And she's like, well, how was Adnan's not detected until he, like, killed someone for the first time? Because, and that started making me think about all the, like, the slew of school shooter- shootings that have happened in high schools right. and seventh grade school, you know, and colleges. And um, they are very, they're all very similar. And Adnan is nothing like that. Right. Well, it's a very different crime. Though, it I is a very different crime. You're right. Um, but, I, I mean, it, it's a good point. Like, I think it's... Yes, it might not be that he's ready to explode and we don't know it, but it is a thing where, like, did you ever... Like, did you even have any reason to think that he needed therapy? Like, no. did he have like, any rage? Right. He like, was, you don't know. Like, calling, like, her one friend to... Leila, I believe you don't like her, but I can't remember her name. Um, One of Hay's friends was like, ugh, he was so, like... Always around, and he's always oh, wait. calling her. Did I her. say that I didn't like her? I don't. I think she's fine. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe I didn't like her. I can't remember. But um, I really like her voice. Ooh. That's 
I had some, neither here nor there. Continue. You know what? I think maybe I didn't like her, and I just put that on you because you don't like a lot of stuff. I don't. I'm a um, hater. Like you guys said, like yeah, you do call all the time. Like you, you are in touch, and mm-hmm. you do do that. That's not like abnormal. Like is that really controlling? It's not. Exactly. And, and well, she, think about it in terms of texting now too, right? Because oh like God. texting wasn't an option. Yeah. Then. Oh my God. And I think she going back to I can't remember. I think her name is Aisha or Aisha or something. Oh yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. She does kind of mention it that she's like, hey, a lot of my feelings about his compulsiveness towards this relationship might be colored by the fact mm-hmm. that, like, which I appreciate, a, the girlfriend yeah. is dead, right? Yeah. Um, because yeah, like when they finally go back and they look at Hayes' diary, it's like, oh yeah, he, he brought carrot cake. He brought carrot yeah. cake, which so is a very adult cake to bring. She didn't <laughs> such an adult cake Aww, to bring. <laughs> I mean, I get yeah, carrot cake. He sure. wasn't. He he just didn't exhibit. And also homicidal behavior or like that ability to snap that. And they interviewed lots of people Mm -hmm. that he knew and none of them said that he was, had rage. Right. And I just don't think you can go from that to like choking someone to death, like without some rage, unless maybe it's a crime of passion And it also seems to me like that is... I like no, this, maybe this will go into like slightly morbid territory, but like choking someone to death involves so much stress to it's me. It's so much more my, personal. It's so much more personal than to just be like, oh well, if like he if he stabbed and it her, it takes time. It does take time. It's not a twenty second thing, right? It's, it's not like, like I'm just gonna show thing. up and like shoot Oof, you, or I'm just gonna show up and like stab you, right? But it's yeah. sort of like this is like a think about you're, it. I kind of have to like hold you down-ish, kind of, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like, all of that stuff to me is like, you must have been really, like, something happened. Right. And I don't know, like, I mean, if he was, like, dating other girls and, like, all this other stuff, like, I don't, you know. It's just, like, this episode really made you think twice. Even if you still think thought Adon was guilty after this. Right. It at least gave you pause unless about your own assumptions about, and like the yeah. way you've been listening to it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. it's also really like the proof of stories have multiple sides. There's mm-hmm. no like for real truth and the ability of any medium mm-hmm. um to be able to be like, hey, you thought A, but now look at it from the other side and now you're thinking B. Absolutely. You know? And just sort of like as an audience, you are a puppet. Yeah. Yeah. And we are Sarah's puppets because she's narrating this and she's telling puppet us what up. to think. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, or she's guiding our thoughts. She's not telling us what to think, but right. like it is all, it's just like you hear a case in court. You can only deliberate upon what is put in front of you and you right. choose two sides and she's putting stuff in front of us and... That doesn't mean that we know everything, you know? So it's just, I think at this point, it's just reaching a maximodi of infuriation. Is that a word? <laughs> is infuriation a word? I don't think it is. Of being infuriating. Sure. Um, I accept it. Well, that kind of brings me back to what I'd like to end on since we need to wrap this episode up. But um, like I said, I, I really love this episode from the perspective of someone who makes radio, from somebody who makes stories, who shapes stories, edits stories, works on stories. 
I loved this episode in terms of what it was, but I think my absolute favorite moment and the moment that made me literally whoop out loud on the train what? is the oh. very last thing that Sarah says, which is after this whole episode, and she's like, I'm going to let the uh, the Innocence Project team work on it. I'm not going to work with them. I'm going to let them work on that, and I'm going to do what i got to do, and I'm going to go <laughs> digging for Jay. Uh. God. <laughs> oh, and just that line, I was like, with her oh, garden shovel. With her spade. Oh, with her spade. spade. Yeah. Yes. She's very garden. British. Uh, Actually, that ending was so poetic. It was so spot on. And that's why I yeah. say I thought this episode had great writing. And the I don't think we can top up. it. Yeah, I don't think yeah. we can top it. So shout out to Sarah Koenig for the absolutely beautiful foreshadowing on that. <laughs> Very excited to hear the next episode and hear Jay finally, hear about Jay, learn about Jay. Oh, I can't Jay, wait. Jay, Jay, Jay. Jay, Jay, Jay. Obsessed with um, Jay. So yeah, guys, that has been another episode of Serially Obsessed. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Daisy Rosario. Layla Carrillo. Dipti Sarawit. And we will be back with another episode of Serially Obsessed, where we obsess about cereal just as much as you do. If you like it, tell a friend. Yeah, keep smelling those scanners, guys. (laughs) Keep sniffing them. Keep sniffing. A scanner as soon as the beat drop, we got the streets locked overseas. A Punjabi MC in the rock. I came to see the mommies in the spot. On the count of three, drop your body like it's hot. One, young, two, you, one, two, three. Young hoes, a snake charm, I'll move your body.